I needed some time to create distance between the truly negative experiences I had experienced at that firm and basically do some of my own emotional healing from that. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on Going Solo, I'm speaking with holistic health coach Kirsten Ramstrom. Kirsten walked away from her job and created a business she loves. Stay with us to hear all the details. Kirsten recognized how important it is to be with people who share your values and where people care about one another. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. That's smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Kirsten Ramstrom former Wall Street stock analyst who walked away to focus on her own health and helping others improve theirs. Kirsten, welcome to the show. David, thank you so much for having me here. This is great. We're going to have a lot of fun in this conversation. So I know because I live in New York that people who work on Wall Street are usually pretty intense and the jobs are pretty intense. Tell me a little bit about your career before you left. Absolutely. So Back in 99, I had gone to business school and my goal was to be a stock analyst. At the time, I'd been living in Boston and I was working in marketing for one of the largest mutual fund firms in the country. And I really wanted to move to a different side of the business. So I went to business school. And of course, when I entered that realm, it's very intense. It's very competitive. And then I went to work for one of the Wall Street firms doing sell-side equity research. So I was studying stocks and publishing research reports. And that can be a very intense job. Absolutely. I was working lots of hours. I often say that the first five years I lived in New York, I really didn't have much of a life. There was a lot of New York I didn't get to enjoy. That's sad. New York's a great city. It is. But the good news is after I left... I moved to Boston and went to work for a mutual fund company. And then I ended up moving to Chicago. I went to another mutual fund company. The one in Boston had closed down during the financial crisis. So I bounced around a little bit. But in 2014, I came back to New York City. And at that point, I had a chance to actually enjoy it. And were you still working on Wall Street? I say working on Wall Street is sort of a general term, but I was working for an insurance company at that point, And I was still covering stocks. I was still a stock analyst working on portfolios. Okay. And why was it, was it the job the second time you were in New York was less intense or were there other reasons why you got to enjoy New York? Absolutely. It was less intense. It was fewer hours. The first time around when I worked for the investment bank, it was just a lot of hours. It was a lot of weekends. I remember one time between Christmas and the end of February, I worked every single day and that included New Year's. It included every day. We, I just worked a lot. There, I learned how to nap under my desk when I really needed to, which is really sort of a sad statement on life, work-life balance, right? Yeah. So how long had you thought about leaving your job before you actually left? So the job that I ultimately left was the one that I came to in 2014 when I moved back to New York. And the idea started brewing about 
a year before I quit to really leave. I had realized probably about a year and a half before I quit that this situation was going to be unsustainable. I had some personality conflicts, some ethical conflicts with some of the people that I was working with. And while I had been methodically trying to sort out some of the challenges of that position, it was clear to me that nobody really wanted to work with me to sort those challenges out. And the way things were set up, I was not in a position to succeed, which is not a position that I am used to being in, right? Most people who are working on Wall Street, right? You've got a little bit of that type A personality and you are driven to succeed. And in the situation that I was in and the way that my stock coverage was set up, it did not seem sustainable to me. I didn't feel like I was set up to do well. And I was not having a lot of success with my stock picks. And I was used to being one of the top one or two stock pickers on any of the teams that I was on. And that was, that's how I like it. (laughs) I like to put up the best performance. It's what I'm used to. And so when I was not in a position where I felt supported to do that, I was trying to figure out if we could change things up so that it could get better. What triggered your decision to quit? A lot of it had to do with the unwillingness of the people around me to work with me to make it a better working environment. But there were also, there were some challenging, basically toxic people that I worked with. There was one coworker I had who talked behind my back and tried to stab me in the back all the time. She would lie about things all the time and it would get back to me. I had gone to that firm because a very good friend of mine who I'd known from my first job in New York had worked there. And so I had enough allies around there that I started hearing what was really going on. And so there was some backstabbing going on. There was also, I've got to find a nice way to put this. There were also some moral and ethical issues at that firm that I was not comfortable with. I did try to navigate through them as best I could. There were some situations that I had to remove myself from that people were not very happy that I was taking a stand on, but they were things that I was not going to give on either. And between the fact that I felt like I was not set up to succeed, I had somebody who was stabbing me in the back all the time. And I had these other moral and ethical issues going on. It made most of my focus at the time I was at work, not on the actual work. I was going to say, how productive could you have been given that situation? Because I've known many people that have been in real dilemmas, just like what you've described at work. Some people use the words toxic workplace culture to describe these situations. But when you actually delve into the details, it's a lot deeper than that. And yes, so there are things like um, people doing a lot of, just say, political maneuvering going on inside the workplace, which takes a lot of your time and energy. There are things like either active or maybe, I was going to say active discrimination or maybe subtle discrimination, but it's really clear that it's going on. Yeah, all kinds of things like this. And and it makes it really hard. Even if you want to try to do a good job, it makes really makes it really hard to have the energy and the time to focus on doing your job. Absolutely. And so many of these things were taking up all that time and energy. And I will tell you that there was a particular situation that came up one time on this person who was stabbing me in the back. And for the only time in my life, I mounted 
a very strong defense against this person and basically dug up a bunch of dirt on her. And I will tell you, if you're going to piss off somebody who's a Wall Street research analyst, we know how to find information. We know how to dig and we can turn up all kinds of stuff. (laughs) It's what we do on companies all day long, right? And so think about what happens if you're going to put all that brain power against something else, right? Yeah. And um, it's very much a distraction, but it was something that I really felt that had to be done to try to defend myself. And I've never tried to get anybody else fired before, but that's absolutely what I was trying to do. And what was interesting was with all of the awful stuff I found on this person, they were not ready to get rid of her. And I'm like, okay, right. Which speaks to the culture. Absolutely. And I was like, you sort of get one or the other and I don't want to be here anymore. So the long and the short of your question is a year and a half out, I knew it was unsustainable. And about a year out, I had come to the conclusion that I really just wanted to quit. I had interviewed for a couple other jobs, but my heart wasn't in it anymore. I'd been doing this for the better part of almost 20 years, and I was just tired of it. I enjoyed the business. I enjoyed the work, but a lot of the personalities and whatnot in that business are just exhausting, and I was tired. Yeah. So how long before you actually left work did you make the decision to quit? I started my countdown in... August of 2017, I went out and I bought a calendar and I marked the number of business days I needed to be in the office. And I counted down until the day I got my bonus in mid-March. And when was your last last day? My last day was in mid-March. Oh, got it. And since since you're running money, usually the last day when you go in and quit, that is generally your last day. They don't generally, sometimes they do. It depends on the relationship, but they will often not allow you to give two weeks of notice. They'll pay you for the two weeks, but they just get you out of there because they don't want sort of the cultural issues that can go along with that. And in my case, I had written them a letter and told them exactly why I was leaving because I knew that otherwise they would start making up stories about why I was leaving and I wanted it on the record. And so it was not friendly. So I assume that you you walked out the door the day you gave the letter. They walked me out the door with security. One of those. Yes, which was fine with me. I was happy to get out of there. I couldn't wait. I had already packed up all my stuff and moved most of it out. So it was fine. So on the the first day that you weren't at your job, what did you do? Oh, that's such a good question. I will say I was in sort of freak out mode. I couldn't really believe that I had done it. And I also knew that I had upset a lot of people. So I spent probably the first couple of weeks trying to figure out if the company was going to try to come after me for something. Granted, I didn't really have anything for them to come after me for, but they were not happy that I had illuminated some of the challenges that were going on in our group. So that was a little nerve wracking, but I did take a trip. I went down to the Caribbean for a week and got some rest and some sun and went scuba diving. But after that, I just packed up my apartment because I put everything in storage and I went and traveled for a year. And Did you plan to spend that year traveling in advance? I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. How did you describe to other people the process of of what happened during that year? Like, what did did you, if people said, oh, Kirsten, what are you doing now? How did you describe it? Do you mean the year before I quit or the year after I quit? After you quit, Mm -hmm. when you were traveling around for a year, what did you call what you did? I think I just called it that I was traveling, that I was taking a break, that I was taking some time off. You know, the thing I had always, 
imagined would be my next step was during this time, during the probably three years before I quit my job, I had started having a lot of health issues. And God knows the stress from that job absolutely contributed to them and did not make my life any easier. And so the last nine months or so of that job, I was spending part of my time getting certified as a holistic health coach, not only because I had already found some of the tools to help regain my own health, but it was so inspiring to me that I wanted to be able to help others too. So during that year when I was traveling, I was still finishing up my certification, but the rest of it, 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 I was just taking a break. I needed a break. I needed some distance from that experience. I was ready to leave New York City. I was ready to get back out in some open air. I always think back to that job. And while I had an office, it was an internal office and my whole front wall was a window that looked at a beige wall. So all day, every day, I never saw the sun. And so when I was traveling, it was one of the things that I enjoyed so much because we need sunshine. We need fresh air, right? And in New York City, that's harder to get. It is harder to get. And if you're in a windowless office, it's impossible. Absolutely. And if you spend nine hours a day in there, it can be really stifling. And as you know, it's the end of February now in the middle of the winter. You don't have a lot of daylight hours on the other side of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. That is true. How important do you think it was to have this year of not focusing on earning money in order to be ready for what came next? I think it was absolutely critical. I needed some time to create distance between the truly negative experiences I had experienced at that firm and basically do some of my own emotional healing from that. It was traumatic to say the least, to be dealing with that. To your point earlier, all day, every day, that took up so much of my time and energy and mind share. And none of it's positive. None of it is part of the work and the purpose that I would like to bring to this world. And it was so consuming, even when I would try to just close it out of my office and ignore it, it still was there constantly. So it was critical for me to have that break. One of the other things that happened during that time was the school where I got my MBA had approached me about doing some part-time work. And at first I said, I don't want to do that. I don't really want to do anything for work right now. It's nice having a break. But they came back to me a couple more times because they said, we think you'd be the perfect person for this. It's very much part-time and we would love to have you there. So The good news was the person that had approached me was somebody I had gone to school with who I had known for a long time and really respected. And the person who was the assistant dean of the school at this point was also one of my classmates and one of the other critical people involved in the career focus area that I was going to be focused on was somebody I had known through my recruiting process from business school. So these were all people I had known well for 20 years. And so when I finally accepted the job, and it was just doing career advising for MBA students who wanted to get into the equity research business, at some point I felt like I was going back home to school. And this was such a comfortable place for me. And it was so nice to go back and have a reminder of what it's like to work with people who treat me well and have respect for the work that I'm doing. So it was only a few hours a week, but it was nice to get a couple more. It was nice to set foot in that direction again 
and get that positive reinforcement, which I'd been lacking. And it really started to rebuild my self-esteem because it was so hard to exist in that negative culture for so long because it weighed on me. Oh, for sure. I can only imagine. So, so you quit your job, spend a year kind of decompressing, traveling, getting some sun. What came next? What came next? Uh, life got in the way a little bit. My mom had decided she was ready to downsize and move to Florida, which so many people in the U.S. do that. So I came home from traveling and I helped her move. That was wonderful. And it's been wonderful to spend all that time with her. And as soon as we got her settled here in Florida and we had to do some work on the house, the week after we got the house put back together, the pandemic hit. And all of a sudden, all the moving was done. Everything was done, but we were in lockdown. And that's when I started working on my business full-time. Oh, interesting timing. Absolutely. And it was wonderful because it really gave me the space to do it. There was nothing else I could do. And was your business designed to be an online business? Yes, absolutely. So I can do my health coaching business through Zoom calls. And that was always the intent. And so as soon as the pandemic started, that first weekend, I sat down to figure out how to create myself a website. So while I'd gotten certified as a health coach, I hadn't done anything about building the business side. So I started working on a website. I started looking to find a lawyer so that I could get my legal documents all put together. So I'd have my legal disclosures for my website and my coaching agreements and all of that stuff, which was wonderful in the context of the fact that I couldn't really leave the house. Here's all these things I can do in this bubble, just trying to get everything put in place. And the timing worked really well too, because there were... Each state has different laws about health coaching. And I didn't realize this when I moved to Florida, but the laws were about to change and they were going to be much more favorable for me starting July 1st in 2020. And so it gave me a deadline between, call it March 15th when lockdown started and July 1st to get all of my ducks in a row to launch my business. And was there an official first date? My first date was officially July 1st, 2020. As soon as, wow. the, as soon as the legal stuff came through, I had enough in place that I was able to launch that day. That's great. Well, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. How have things evolved since then, since July 1st, 2020? You know, it's been interesting. I love being an entrepreneur. I love having my own control over the pieces of my business. And I have loved learning new things. At the same time, I had underestimated just how many new things I was going to end up learning along the way. I had really thought it was going to be all about the health coaching, but there are so many other facets. As I said, I had to put together a website and I could have paid somebody to do it, but I didn't really want to put all that money out at that point. And so I figured out how to do it myself. And it's really been a balance between trying to figure out what's worth paying for and what's worth learning and doing myself. And it's fun to learn a lot of these things. And, you know, I always studied businesses before and now running my own has been fascinating, but there's a lot to it when you have to do everything. Yeah. So what if you decided that you don't want to do yourself and you rather have somebody who's part of your team to do? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't really have a team yet, but I certainly have a list of things when I'm ready to start building my team. One of the things I did to establish authority for my health coaching business was I started a podcast in November of 2020. And as I'm sure you know, editing a podcast and doing some of the background on that 
can take up a lot of time. And that is one of the first things that I would love to farm out someday and let somebody else do that. But in the meantime, I have learned to do that. I have learned more efficient ways to do that. I have a sticky note here on my desk that I'm looking at right now. Work smarter, not harder. So I'm always looking for the way that I can make that go faster. Even if I don't have the ability right now to hire somebody to do it for me, it is on the top of my list when that is the case. That's very smart. Kirsten, if you were to look back at somebody like you, or maybe you were, you were being asked to advise somebody like you who has been a high achieving professional, somebody who has done well, loved the work, and for whatever reason is at a point where that person would really much rather work for herself or himself, have greater control over their career and their destiny, doing what they love and what they're good at, serving the kind of people they want to serve. You know, we just talked about, in, in brief, a whole lot of hurdles that you have overcome in the last few years. What piece of advice would you offer? The first thing is, for what you want to explore in your business, make sure it's something that you love. That is full stop, the thing that gets me out of bed every day. And motivates me to put so much time and effort into my business because I love it. And lots of people say you should be doing the work that you would do for free. Well, I will tell you over the last two years, there's a lot of this work that I did do for free essentially. And that's fine because I do love it, but that's the thing that keeps me going. I think the other thing is, especially with professionals who have been out in the workforce for a long enough period of time, you understand where your strengths are. And if you have not sat down and enumerated those and really gotten your head around what those are, it's a very good time to think about that. And then also to think about where your weaknesses are. Because not all of us are good at every single thing in a business. And it's good to know what you're good at. It's good to know what you want to do. It's good to know what you're not good at, and it's good to know what you don't want to do. And trying to figure out the buckets for that is important because then for the stuff that you aren't good at or you don't want to do, you can start trying to find easier ways to do that. It may not mean that you're not going to do that, but there might be an easier way to do it. You might be able to find a class that's going to teach you how to do it rather than having to go out and learn it yourself. And spending a little bit of money on that might make it a lot easier, or you might be in a position to hire somebody to do it. With a health coaching business, I initially hadn't signed up for scheduling software because I thought, well, it's just emails and I can sort that out. Well, it didn't take me very long before I realized that the $15 a month for scheduling software between appointments for the health coaching business and for my podcast I always called that my $3 a week virtual assistant because for goodness sakes, that was worth $3 a week by a mile, right? For all, it avoids all the back and forth and all the emails because all of a sudden, all that scheduling can take on a life of its own. And so trying to find the things that are going to keep you efficient and keep you the most focused on the things where you bring the most value is really important. And it's very easy to get distracted by all of the other pieces and trying to figure out how to do them, trying to figure out how to understand them, it can take a lot of time. One of the things I did do is I had put out a couple of YouTube videos last year and they were to support a company that 
does some, they create these wonderful non-toxic cleaning products. And as a health coach, one of the things I work with people on a lot is getting a lot of the toxins out of their home. And I love this cleaning products company. And I have a juicer. A lot of us in my my universe have juicers and mine was absolutely filthy. And I finally found the thing that cleaned it. So I made a whole video on it. I sat down and tried to edit that video. It was amazing how much time that could take up and how terrible I was at it. And so then I finally started looking for somebody to help me with video editing because it really was just, it was a game stopper because I was never going to be able to make that video look as good as it should. And the video I had taped was fine, but my ability to edit that I mean, forget it. So that was literally the first thing that I sent off to somebody else. And it was absolutely worth the money. Yeah, very smart. That's a great example. Kirsten, for those that may want to learn more about you, get in touch with you, or check out any resources you have, tell me a little bit about what they'll find about you. Like, who do you serve? What's on your website? And how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So my website is called carefullyhealing.com. And generally I work with women who are say between the ages of 35 and 60 and are dealing with chronic illness. Many of the people that I work with have explored their options in the medical community and not found a lot of answers. There are a lot of health issues out there for which there aren't a lot of answers. And so my focus is really in using food, basic vitamins and supplements and cleaning toxins out of our homes to free up some of the bandwidth so our bodies can heal. The other thing, as I mentioned earlier, I have a podcast. It's called Quest for Healing. I feature a few things on there. One of the things I love to have are healing stories from people who've been healing following this lifestyle. And I will tell you, nothing motivates me like the people that I interview for that who have healed some pretty remarkable things. I'm also on Instagram. That's where I'm most active on social media. My account there is Carefully Healing with Kirsten, which is K-E-R-S-T-I-N, all one word. And that's probably the easiest way to find me on social media. Okay, sounds good. And we'll, of course, include all these links in the show notes. Kirsten, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Going Solo and share share your story. Um, it's a r- remarkable story. Congratulations on removing the toxins in your life and getting sun. I'm jealous about the sun, especially this time of year in the Northeast. My guest today has been holistic health coach with Carefully Healing, Kirsten Ramstrom. Thank you again, Kirsten, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, David. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode, Kirsten and I discussed how important it is to be with people who share your values and where people care about one another. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. That's smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.